Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it's so good to be, not have to be in here talking to myself and one cameraman. You know, I was thinking all week about that time in the Old Testament when after a long and difficult season of waiting, that King David was finally able to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem so the people of God could worship together in the city of God. And the Bible says that David got so excited about that, he stripped off his clothes and danced naked in the street. Now, I'm not going to do that this morning, but just know I am dancing naked on the inside today. It is a great day. You know, it's been 189 days exactly since we've been able to physically gather. And I remember back in March when we made the decision to suspend our in-person corporate worship services, we were thinking maybe a week, maybe a month at the most. And here we are six months later. And we're not completely back. Obviously, many of our brothers and sisters, our church family, are not quite able to come back yet. But for those of you who are joining us online, I hope you know that you are as much a part of this today as those of us who are physically gathered on our campus. And at the risk of sounding like a late night TV evangelist, I am seriously hoping that the joy, the love, and excitement would flow right through that TV screen, that phone screen, that computer screen, whatever you're watching on today. I'm just so glad that all of us are here wherever here is today. Now, you know, today is not only a day for us to celebrate together as a church family, but today is a great opportunity for us to pause and to reflect, to remember all that God has done and continues to do through all of this chaos in the world around us. But today is also a great day to reflect and remember the lessons that we need to learn from these past six months. I mean, a once-in-a-century global pandemic would be a terrible thing to waste. And I believe there are so many things that God wants us to learn, lessons we need to learn about ourselves, about our church, and about our relationship with Jesus. And I think one of the biggest lessons we should learn from this past six months is how incredibly important it is to take ownership of your faith journey, to be personally responsible for your relationship with Jesus because it's not something that a church can give to you. It's not something that a pastor can pass on to you. It's not something you can get from attending a service on a Sunday. It's something that we have to build daily into our lives. That's really what this step-by-step -step series is all about developing daily habits that move us closer to God. I think another great lesson we need to learn from this journey we've been on is how incredibly important it is 
to be connected to each other in authentic community. To be connected beyond just being part of a large crowd on Sunday, but to have a handful of other believers who are doing life with us and we are doing life with them. If we've missed nothing else over this six months, that is something that is within all of us. And it's something we all need, not just for our emotional and mental health, but for our spiritual health. It is essential that we are connected to each other in authentic community in order to grow closer to Jesus. In fact, that's why Paul writes these words in Romans 1 verse 12. Paul says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. And so last week, I I spent the entire time focusing on why we need each other. We looked at four specific ways that other believers can help us grow. Today, I want to get down to the how-to. How do you do this? How do you connect, truly connect with each other in a way that not only honors God, but brings growth into our life? And here's the cool thing. These principles we're going to be talking about today, we're talking about them specifically in the context of our home groups and small groups, but you can apply these principles to any relationship in your life. These principles will help you truly connect with a spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your coworkers, with anybody. They apply to all relationships. To truly connect, there are three core things we have to do. Number one, We have to be courageous and candid. To truly connect with each other, we have to be courageous and candid. The reason I say that is because it takes a lot of courage to open up and let somebody into your life, to let somebody know the real you. To open up and let people into your life puts you in a vulnerable position. You can be hurt, you can be rejected. That's why so many of us go through life wearing masks. You know, we're talking about masks in this pandemic, but we don't like to talk about the pretending masks that we wear with the people around us. Most of us live our lives the way we manage our Facebook page. We show everybody on the outside the highlight reel and all the great things, but nobody knows the struggles. Nobody knows the real us, the issues in our life. And as hard as it is to open up and truly let somebody in, it is essential, not only for the health of your relationships, It's essential for your relationship with Jesus. In fact, look at what the Bible says, 1 John 1, 7. It says, if we walk in the light as he, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship, we have connection with each other, and then check this out, and because of that, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Do you see that connection between the intimacy in our relationships with others and the freedom it brings from the hurts and habits and hangups and sin in our lives? You know, for years, I thought this verse was talking about living right. 
that that phrase in the light, walking in the light meant doing all the right things, following all the right rules, being on my best behavior. But when you really look at this verse in the context of the verses around them, it is obvious that John is talking about our relationships, walk with each other in the light open and honest and transparent. That will lead to fellowship, to true connection, and those true connections will result in healing from our hurts, habits, hangups, and the bondage that sin holds us in. Now, I know where some of you are. You're saying, Philip, been there, done that, and got scars because of it. I opened up and let somebody in and they hurt me. They took advantage of me. They wounded me. And listen, I understand that. And I want you to know I'm so sorry for the pain they put you through. But I'm begging you, I am begging you not to let them keep on hurting you by putting a callus on your heart and keeping everybody else out of your life. And you say, well, Philip, can you guarantee me if I open up and let some people into my life, can you guarantee me they won't hurt me? They won't reject me? No. There are no guarantees in our relationships because we're all broken and messed up people. I can't guarantee you that, but I can guarantee you this. If you keep living in isolation, if you keep building walls and keeping people out and not let anybody know what's really going on, you may not be hurt, but you will never truly be free of the bondage that's holding you down. Jesus wants to free you, and he uses the people around you to help you break free. You know, one of the biggest barriers to our authentically connecting with each other is fear. And fear shows up in our relationships in one of three ways. I call these the three D's of relational fear. One, it causes me to be defensive. Fear causes me to be defensive. I'm on guard with other people. Do you know where defensiveness comes from? Insecurity. We're only defensive about the things we're insecure about. But when we're secure, we're not on guard. We feel safe and comfortable. The second thing that fear causes in my relationships is it causes me to be distant. Distant. I hold people at arm's length. A third thing that fear causes in my relationship is it causes me to be demanding. That's probably not one that many of us have thought about. But fear can actually make you demanding in your relationships. Because of fear, you can often demand from others what you're not willing to give to them. We put these unrealistic high expectations on people because we are afraid. Now listen, is any of this ringing a bell with anybody but me? Anybody recognize some of these things showing up in your relationship? If they do, then you have to be honest that there's some fear there. And so the question is, how do I deal with that? How do I push past the fear to get to authentically connecting with others? There's only one way. It's God's love. God's love is the antidote to fear. Look at 1 John 4, 18. It says, where God's love is, there is no fear. Because God's perfect love drives out fear. You catch that? The more you recognize how much God loves you, or maybe I should say it this way, the more you live 
in the unconditional love of God, the more secure you become in his love and the more secure you are, the more confidence you have to open up and let others in. If we truly want to connect with each other, we got to be courageous and candid. But it doesn't stop there. Number two, we got to be considerate and constructive. Be considerate and constructive. Every time I officiate a wedding, I always say to the couple as the part of the ceremony that having a great marriage doesn't come from marrying the right partner. It comes from being the right partner. In other words, you're not in the relationship for what you can get. You are in the relationship for what you can give. The Bible puts it this way in Philippians 2. When you do things, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life but be interested in the lives of others. Now listen, this way of living has always been counterculture. It's always gone against the flow of human nature and the world we live in. But I'm telling you, over the last six months, this verse screams in opposition to what we see in our homes, in our communities, in our streets, in our politics, in our social life. Everybody is demanding their rights. Everybody wants to have their way. Everybody wants other people to think, feel, and believe the way that they do. And if you don't, you don't count. You're evil. You are canceled. And it's so easy to see that in the world around us. Where it gets hard is to see that same attitude in ourselves. In our personal relationships. But if you live that way with the people closest to you, you're not connecting with them. You're just using them for what they can give to you. You know, I shared weeks ago, when it comes to your spiritual growth journey, you're always moving either forward or backward. There's no neutral. There's no level. You're always getting closer to Jesus or you're drifting further away. Guess what? Same thing happens in your personal relationships. You're either growing closer and more intimate or you are drifting further apart. You're either building up the people that you're in relationship with or you're tearing them down. Guess which one leads to healthy relationships? Guess which one will lead to better connections? Well, look at what the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. That's clear. Here's the problem. It's always easier to tear down than to build up. It's always easier. I mean, think of a construction remodel project, right? The demolition is always quick and easy. The restoration is always slow and painful and takes a lot of time and work. Same thing in your relationships. Listen, I understand tearing other people down may feel like it builds you up, And it will do that in the short term. But if you keep doing that in the long term, you're going to end up empty and lonely and isolated. We have to build each other up. Be constructive in our relationships. So how do you do that? How do you move from being less destructive and more constructive? 
The greatest tool you have are your words. The words you use, the words you speak to others. Look at Ephesians 4, 29. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Your words have power. They have the power to hurt deeply, but they have the power to heal deeply as well. Your words have the power to tear people down, but your words also have the power to build and up others and encourage them. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is a lie from the pit of hell. Words hurt. Some of you struggle every day with painful words that someone said to you or about you. The people around you are scarred by words that have been said to them. Don't you think Jesus wants us as his family, his representatives on this earth to speak words of encouragement that build other people up? Now listen to me. I'm not talking about ignoring destructive behaviors in the people we love. I'm not talking about pretending that what they're doing is okay and it's not gonna damage their life. What I'm talking about is loving each other enough to speak the truth in love. Even hard conversations can be constructive if they're said by the right person in the right way at the right time. I'll tell you, some of my greatest spiritual growth have been when people close to me loved me enough to tell me things that I didn't want to hear and couldn't see in my life. But they did it in a way that was helpful. Who does that for you? Who are you doing that for? If we're going to truly connect, truly connect, we got to be considerate and constructive. And then finally, number three, we got to be committed and confidential. We got to be committed and confidential. Here's why I say that. Intimacy requires two things to grow, time and trust. Commitment gives you the time you need for that relationship to grow. And keeping a confidence gives you the trust you need to help that relationship grow. What's that old saying? When the going gets tough, the tough do what? Get going, going, right? In our relationships, it's like this. When the going gets tough, we pack up and go. And we run from marriage to marriage, from friendship to friendship, from home group to home group, and from church to church, never sticking together through the hard stuff to get to the intimacy that's always on the other side of the storm. Intimacy doesn't come from smooth sailing in your relationships. Intimacy comes from holding on to each other during the storm. We need that level of commitment. Look at what the Bible says, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend, a true friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. The level of your commitments to your relationships will be directly proportional to the quality of your connections with the people around you. But you also need to understand a big part of our commitments to one another 
is our confidentiality. To be someone that someone else can trust with the vulnerable truth in their life. Somebody can trust you with their secrets. Notice what the Bible says, Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Let me tell you, in the 30 plus years that I've been running flat out desperately trying to get people to connect an authentic community with other believers, the most destructive thing to those groups, those connections, those relationships is talking out of school. Sharing something that someone else shared with you. It's destroyed countless relationships, countless home groups, and even whole churches have been shattered by gossip, by talking about each other instead of sitting down and in love talking to each other. That's why one of the number one rules in our home groups are what happens in home group stays in home group. We don't talk out of school. Why? Because we're some secret society or some kind of cult that doesn't want people to know? No, it's because everybody needs a safe place and safe people to be real with. We have a saying in Celebrate Recovery. It is our secrets that make us sick. It's not just the hurts and habits and hangups. We all got that. It's when we hide them, when nobody knows, and we try to battle them on our own without leveraging the people that God has placed in our life. It is essential for healing. Christian author and psychologist Larry Crabb, in his book, interestingly titled, Connection, says this. When people really connect, with each other. When they really connect, something is poured out of one and into the other that has the power to heal the soul of its deepest wounds and restore it to health. The one who receives experiences the joy of being healed and the one who gives has the even greater joy of being used by God. That is God's design for us as a church family. That's God's design for how we are to live our lives in authentic community with each other. So let me ask you this. What's your next step? What is your next choice? What, What is going to move you closer to being truly connected with a few other believers that you can develop trust and intimacy with and walk through life together. If you're not yet connected to one of our home groups, maybe that's the next step. Maybe at least just reach out and see when and where a group might be available. If you're physically on one of our campuses, you can stop by the Welcome Center, the desk, or wherever people get connected on your campus. If you're watching online, There's a Get Connected link being posted right now. Just click on that, fill out the information. We will follow up with you ASAP and help you walk this journey. If you're not living near us, you're watching online, you live somewhere off, reach out anyway. We'll help you find a church that connects you. We'll even help you start a group in your home if you can't find one because every one of us needs this. Now, let me talk to those of you who are connected. You are in a home group. What would a next step 
of connection mean to you? What would it look like for you to maybe go a little deeper, be a little more transparent, a little more, maybe not with the whole group, maybe there's just one person in that group. We all need somebody. Just attending a group, you know, once a week, one night a week is not truly connecting if you're not walking with each other through life. I don't know what your next step is. I do know this, that unless you take a next step towards a deeper connection with a few other believers, you're always going to struggle to truly grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. So let's pray and ask God just to move among us right now. Father, I thank you. I thank you not just for the joy we have of connecting in a large group for a time of worship at our campuses and online, but I thank you you've called us to a family to which we can belong. And I pray that you would help every one of us take an honest look at where we are and make a commitment to developing a daily habit of being more connected. Too many of us, Lord, are being picked off by the enemy one by one. They're being separated from the herd and lives are being destroyed. Lord, let us be the church where anybody from anywhere going through anything can find a home and help and healing and people who will love them and do life as they walk them right to your throne and feel your grace, your forgiveness, your power, and your love. Oh, Jesus, let that be true. Let us come out of this pandemic more motivated, more engaged with doing life in authentic community than ever before. Holy Spirit, move right now. In Jesus' name, amen.